is flying with its only make an enduring spirit on the whiskey trail. It is indeed recordings in progress, and I'm delighted to say uh, we have got another episode of Whiskey Unscripted. This season Take six is episode three, and it's Gordon Dundas. Hello, hello, how are we? Very good, Gordon. Now we are finding difficulty getting time to record these things but it's great to have a dram take time out and have, a, have yep. another podcast absolutely no look we we're, we're in a busy busy season at the moment and uh obviously the demands of us to be back out in market and to be doing things face to face are huge however i mean we have been inundated with two emails with uh, <laughs> with people wondering when the next episode is coming Yes. Uh, particularly Mike Smith, uh, a colleague of mine in California, was asking, uh, Crikey, I've run out of things to listen to while I'm walking the dog. Uh, that's been, there's been, I mean, literally three emails, maybe I, three. I, I, I got, yes. We might not have time to put them in today, but we have um, a listener. We recorded. Do we actually have a listener? Petey Pete, uh, Pete who Pete. emails in a lot. How are you doing, Pete? Um, visited Glengoyne, and I was actually free that day, and uh, we had a little interview. So we might not get it on this episode, but we will get it on. And also, when I was in Geneva, Juliet from Glenallachie said she's still trying to catch up on all the episodes. So Good. I think there's a lot of people, if we look at the numbers, there's a lot of people still listening to episodes of, you know, 10 or 12 ago. So... You know, we are we 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 are continuing on. The frequency is a slight challenge, yes, but yes, uh, and the I, content is still diamond. I and did that's... enjoy. I did enjoy our time on Isla. I have to say. So, if you've not heard that episode, that's a really that's really good fun. But Gordon, we are unscripted. But I, you know, rooting around my uh, inner recesses of my brain, which doesn't been... take long. <laughs> no, it was very quick. Um, Thought we could have a small theme about this one because oh, I when I was out, as you say, in market in Helsinki and in Munich as well, I caught up with a couple of new distilleries. And I thought, there's a nice subject to talk about. Um, whiskey, uh, new distilleries, new whiskies, and maybe some new people that uh, are approaching the world of whiskey as well. Yeah. So could we do a almost a themed episode on new Gordon, a new whiskey. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. New whiskies, new people, new distilleries, new yep. ways of drinking whiskey, whatever. Well, let's start with the new distilleries. And I didn't have time and I should get them on. But this is the week where is this one of the biggest distillery openings for a number of years? Yeah, I think distilleries probably, opening, but this is a big one. Yeah, I think it's probably fair. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's if you if you take a trip up from uh, the sort of central belt up through, you know, up to Speyside, through Aviemore, yes. Granton on Spey, just yes. as you're uh, in that part of the world, you'll see this brand new distillery uh, on the right hand side with it's uh, called the Cairn, obviously. Yes. Uh, Gordon McPhail's new distillery. So adding to their Ben Romich uh, distillery. And um, yeah, really, really brand new distillery. And, and um, I'm not, I, I haven't, followed particularly what style of whiskey they're going to produce but uh i'm really excited by it because it says, I, um, I, I, I admire gordon fail a lot great lot, business and it looks it looks amazing when you drive past it, it just says it's a uh, i'm on their website right now a modern home for the ancient craft of whiskey making for mm. millennia cairns have helped and inspired people to discover and explore nestled in the cairn groms national park the cairn is a new home for adventure seekers and whiskey lovers to explore and be inspired by the very best Scotland has to offer, and it mm. goes on. So that's a 
a big big new distillery. Of course. I mean, and if we look at Gordon McPhail, there's many parts to their business, not dissimilar to us, but they have, you know, they have their shop. uh, They have their sort of wholesale business, which they do a lot of wholesaling around the country. Mm -hmm. They have uh, their independent bottling business, which uh, they've released some of the oldest whiskies known to Known to, known to man or womankind. Um, and they have now two distilleries. So it's a fantastic business um, based in Elgin. And, um, you know, um, really, we, we had Richard Urquhart on not that long ago, I think. Yes, that's right. He's, he was on uh, on the podcast on, on a few drinks, I think, because you're on Delilah's, which is we, one we, of my favourite episodes. And we had had a few drinks. We, 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 we were, <laughs> it was a late night discussion. <laughs> and the other new distilleries, Gordon, I'm just having a, a look around some of the new distilleries and uh, Aurora Distillery. Where's that? It's one of the ones that's featured in this year, this month's Whiskey Magazine. The most, one of the most northern, in fact, probably the most northern distillery in the world, in Finland. Mm. Oh, sorry, Norway. I'm getting corrected. My my, my mom self in Norway, right up near the Arctic Circle. Uh, So amazing location, but again, getting ingredients there is a challenge and then in the same part of the article they go down to Cadrona, which we featured on another podcast that's we one of the have. most southern distilleries in the world in New Zealand it is yeah and and um we also met I I was in uh Tamdu recently and we met a gentleman who's opening a distillery in Patagonia in Argentina wow uh, right on the border with Chile right at the very right at the Cape of Cape Horn Cape Horn I think it is Cape Horn yes. um so that's very interesting. That's going to be the most southerly, southern, southern, su- whatever, yes, the, whatever, the furthest south. Um, so, th- yeah, I mean, look, if we just look at new distilleries, they, they're they're popping up everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, new World Distilleries is yeah, a bit like New White, New World Wines. But for me, it's just, you know, great to see so much whiskey being, being con- wanting to be produced and ultimately consumed. Can you see any... Countries are any 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 nations really leading that charge, or is it all disparate all over? Well, I mean, I think you can make whiskey anywhere. Um, I don't think you know you you know you can make whiskey out of any you know it can be any grain, it can be of any style, it can be in any cask outside of Scotch whiskey. You don't have to use oak; you can use a whole range of different things potentially. But uh, you can make whiskey anywhere, and it suits. Generally, what happens is people make whiskey that suits the style of the people that live there. If we're honest, make bourbon in Scotland. Make make single malt in you know wherever um you know uh, there's no there should be no you know rules why scotch is so popular and why scott is obviously the oldest industry but it's the diversity that we have here which i think is the secret to scotch's success Mm. or single malt success um but um yeah i mean you know just it's great to see you know i know we're going to go to germany later there's so many distilleries in germany and there's you know the, you know the. Of course, if you look at the natural, the natural sort of backdrop of Scandinavia, you think surely they can make great whiskey there. You know they've got good water, great talent. So there's no, there's no. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's one country. You know, in the old days it was like, oh my, the Japanese were leading the charge, and that was the the area where the big whiskies were coming from. Um, maybe before that it was maybe the Americas, um, but now it seems to be all over. And you just mentioned Scandinavia. I've got a big list of uh, distilleries, new ones that are opening up in this country and abroad, but maybe it's time, Gordon, and we'll come back and have a dram 
to drop in to Finland and meet an old friend of ours, Asko Reininen. Uh, Asko, I hope that's uh, how I pronounce your name. He, uh, I met him in Helsinki, and guess what, Gordon? What? He said, I like the podcast. Oh, he's a listener. Yes, so he's first on. <laughs> Fantastic. It's just a few seconds, a few minutes of uh, Asko talking about his um, new distillery. Was it Terran Pepe for a while? The um, Terran Pelly. Terran Pelly, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> for a while, he's not valuable. And listen, he'll explain, but an example of a new distillery way, way up in the north in Finland. Here we go. So here I am with Whiskey Unscripted, and we have, well, half an hour to go in Helsinki, and I have met a wonderful uh, gentleman. Could you tell me what your name is and a little bit about your whiskey? Yeah, my name is Asko Ryynänen. I'm master distiller of Malamon Monastery Distillery, which is located in eastern Finland. We have operated now about seven years, started 2015, and what I serve you today is heavily peated. Oh, hang on, okay. Yeah, you can try it. 35 pb and, and it is our oldest bottling now, six years old, so we are a very young distillery, but you can see what's our way, where we are going. So, so you are a Finnish uh, distillery, and you come from, from monastery. A, a yeah. monastery, but you have worked in another Finnish distillery, is that right? Yeah, I'm working in two, two distilleries and nowadays. You did work in Terenpeli? Yeah, I work in Terenpeli. Uh, I started there in, in the beginning of 2000. And I worked there in a couple occasions, and now I have been working in seven years with the monastery, yeah. So, before we talk about the whiskey, I just said talk about the whiskey, but before we do talk about the whiskey, just a little bit about the Finnish distillation or distillery uh, world. Yeah, of course, the Terenpeli was the first one, uh, biggest one in the single malt scene, and nowadays we have plenty of whiskey makers, mainly the rye whiskey, but Terenpeli and our monastery distillery are focusing in single malt whiskey. So, uh, of course, the whiskey whiskey is booming everywhere, also here in Finland. And the, it's very hard in start whiskey business here because it's very expensive, and you have to be do every license. And there is actually it's very hard to learn how to make whiskey here in Finland. I'm only teacher of distillation here in Finland. I go to the Hammer University to teach distillation also. And our distributors, distribute our whiskey. Yeah, they will you're, come, you're, come you're, to my students, yeah. You're students. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't been there yet, but they will come uh, wow. next lesson, so. And you've been distilling for how many years then? Uh, about 20 years, yeah. Uh, I studied in Heriotwat University in uh, brewing a distilling diploma. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. I, what, do you, what do you make of Scotland? Did you get round to see many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try to always come to Scotland at least once in a new year. But yeah, uh, usually I go to Isla. Isla is my paradise island. And my daughter is Isla as well. Some, some different, very odd reason, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah, well, we are going to Isla next February also. So just take us through the Val, Valamo. Valamo, yeah. Valamo. It's, and it's monastery distillery. Yeah. Can I explain? I have never heard <laughs> uh, the words monastery and distillery, although I know yeah. historically monks. Yeah, and it's not a new thing, but yeah, here in Finland it's new. It's only monastery here in Finland. It's Orthodox monastery, not Catholic. It's Orthodox. Um, uh, Valamo is almost a thousand years old monastery. It's located first in Russia side of border, but we lost that part of in the 
winter wars to Russia, so monastery moved here in eastern Finland and has been this location now almost 80 years. So uh, we are making, we have done multiple alcohols, not just whiskey, we are making berry wines, liquors, gins, absinthe, and okay. now whiskey last seven years. So. And this is inside the monastery? Yeah, it's inside the monastery, okay. just 50 meters away from the church, so ah, right. very close, and it's made in holy water, so you can give your ah. sins uh, away, I at least you can forget you. I can you. feel them going already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last night you gave me one that was finished in our, our Entirely matured or finished in a red wine cask? What's yeah, that? we are making a communion wine for churches here in Finland. About half of churches here in Finland are using our church wine for communion. And it's made out of Hungarian grapes. Grapes comes to Hungary for our ministry and we are making the wine out of them. It's fortified and a sweet, very sweet wine, like a port wine. It, it will mature in eight months in new European oak cask and when wine is ready we put the whiskey spirit in. That's our specialty because we are monastery distillery. That was delicious. That's five years. Yeah, five years. Yeah. Wow. 47 APV. So. And what am I drinking right now? It's a cask strength, our newest one, uh, heavily peated. Uh, you, you don't say. Just two barrels, uh, two casks, uh, ex Buffalo Trace casks, watted together, 58.5 cask strength and 35 ppm. So it's very in your face, Pete. No, of course, you know your Pete. Yeah. You just came from the Smokehead Masterclass. So yes, yes, yes. You, and what else is, what else is, the, the, is it a core range? Uh, uh, yeah, this is our. Uh, call it Luostari whiskey, which is Finnish and means monastery whiskey. So it's 40 ABV, so it's very easy to drink because monastery has many friends outside of whiskey scene as well. So this is for them. And then we have cast trend version of it. This is lightly beaded, just 12 ppm. And a couple of non-beaded as well, like a monastery uh, church wine cask. And this is bourbon and new oak, but it, uh, and unbeaded as well. But that's wonderful. And just a quick word about this festival. How, how has it been? This is the first one since, did we say pandemic? Forget that word. Yeah. How has it been for you today uh, and yesterday? Yeah, this, was, this has been great, yeah. I, I almost lost my faith uh, during the pandemic, but now seeing all the people and talking about whiskeys has been fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. And the future of uh, distilling in Finland, how do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm a forefront. Yeah, when I started 2015 to teach people distill, there was only eight people in my class, and last week I was there, there was 45 people. So it's booming, and of course the gin is big here as well. So people want to make gin. Of course, you don't have to wait so long time, but when plenty of people are for whiskey. Gin is first, but whiskey is coming after, wow. after and, that. Uh, so. We always associated in the past with vodka. Where's, where's the vodka in the mix? I don't want to talk about vodka. I, 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 I don't like vodka. Like What's the point to make product that doesn't <laughs> taste anything? <so. laughs> That's the correct answer. Yeah. You've just won yourself another bottle of whiskey. Uh, listen, thank you so much thank you, for appearing on Whiskey Unscripted. We really appreciate it. And good luck with the um, Val Valamo. Yeah. Distillery, you heard it here on Chris Constricted. This will go 
I hope so, really. Cheers. Cheers. You know, Gordon, what comes out of that for me was how important, you know, that Harriet Watts um, brewing and distilling course is. There's a lot of people done that. Oh, no, absolutely. It's a great course. And we, we, we've we worked very closely with that, with that course yes. over the years with Edinburgh Gin. We we still have a relationship with them on, on many on one or two other areas. And uh, it's a great course. It really is one of the best indeed. And uh, some, some you forget all the people that have come out of it. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, note to self, Gordon, we have actually spoke to the Scottish Whiskey Research Institute. We're next door virtually. They and, are. Uh, we've invited us for a, a special podcast. Here. So that's, that's oh yes, you've got to go. You've got to go. I did a I did a a nosing thing there many years ago and uh, wasn't overly successful. Right. But, you uh, know, right. it's quite difficult doing before, those nosing jars. Yes, I was. Before we that's another episode. Before we um go any further, Gordon, yeah. and the new distilleries and this new mm. um themed podcast. What in the hell are you drinking? It was a bit late. Ah. But well, I'm drinking mean? something new. That's the whole idea. I am drinking something new. I am drinking the new cigar malt that came out from Tamdu uh, ah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this is a very limited edition. Uh, we did one last year, hugely successful. And uh, why I like this whiskey is it, it's it's playing a tune that you don't hear about anymore. Yes, we all know Tamdu is all sherry cask, but it's all first fill. Uh, and that makes it really, really different. The amount of whiskies that you ever see that are high strength sherry casts are minimal. Add into that first fill, add into that this quality that comes from Tamdu. It is sensational whiskey. Oh. And you don't have to have a cigar with it. I'm not a cigar smoker. If anybody wants a laugh, you should look at the cigar malt one, one launch video that we did last year when we had uh, the super smooth Jimmy McGee from uh, Hunters and Franco talking to us about cigars and why they pair very well. And me, for want of a better word, fanning around trying to light a cigar, looking like a right amateur. So, uh, yeah, um, quite funny. Um, but uh, really, really great dram. And, um, yeah, just explain so what I'm drinking. Just explain, for, just in case anybody's new to uh, the podcast or the, or the world of whiskey, explain the first fill and the, the, the refill and what, sure. what's happening sure. there. Well, when you mature whiskey, you, a first fill will be, fresh cask from Spain that's had the sherry in it and the sherry's been emptied the cask has arrived at Tamdu it's filled with our spirit that's the first fill now of course after we empty that maybe 10 12 15 years depending on what we're trying to produce we're not going to throw that away we're going to refill it so obviously the refill you're going to get a very different type of whiskey over time than you will from a first fill less color maybe a little bit more spirit character that you're going to see change over the time in the cask and when you um, and, and so that's the difference between first fill and refill. But um, you can use whiskey just first fill, but you want to ensure that you still taste the spirit character. It's not just about the cask. And the reason it's first fill, because that will stand up to a cigar. Correct. Uh, with a bit of strength at 50, in the 53s. So, oh. yeah, fabulous whiskey. Oh, that's, that's my What are you drinking? The, almost the complete opposite, Gordon. Uh, I hunted high and low in the sauna here for something new, and I have got a bourbon barrel matured whiskey 49.4 percent and it's the casks of lindor's limited bottling bourbon cask and um, look at the mm. color really the complete opposite mm. and, really and straw in color and that's the beauty if you look at the color of this cigar malt dark rich you know and then you've got something that's almost the opposite light let way less 
yes. cask influence, way very different style because it's bourbon casks, uh, very different oak type of American oak as right. rather European oak sherry. So you are at the other end of the spectrum, light influence as well. So you should be getting lots of that character coming That's through. That's right. And that kind of front of palate there, Gordon. It's maybe not as spicy at the side. Yeah, it's sweeter at the front. But yeah. still, oodles of flavour in there. And Lindor's Abbey, of course, they're, they're really uh, building on their heritage of mm -hmm. that is the location of the first tax register, which announced that aqua vitae would be made from malty mm -hmm. barley. The first yep. reference to really the starting pistol for the modern industry. Yep. Lindor's Abbey. Uh, we knew they were distilling previously, but we hadn't had it written down. No evidence that it was malted barley. King James the Fourth tax register. And a few years later, five hundred almost. Uh, Lindor's Abbey is built on that site, right next to the the old abbey. And it's just now, what four year old maybe now? Four years? Something like that. I think. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. yeah four, Fabulous. And so what, that's right there is the beauty of whiskey. Rich. After dinnery cigar, sprightly, youthful, vibrant whiskies. Great. Right. And we've you know, in the last episode, we're in the Smokies with the, the Lafroigs as well. You absolutely. Know, such a um, lovely. Yeah, absolutely. While we're enjoying that, Gordon, can I take you down to another um, new distillery? And this is Germany's mm, biggest yes. selling single malts. I don't know if you know much about uh, these guys. I have tried a couple. Right. Slurs. I like the name. Much easier to say after a few drums. <laughs> S-L-Y-R-S <laughs> yeah. Slurs Where are they? Southern Germany down in, uh, not, not far from Munich um, Down in Bavaria Got a warm invite to go and visit them And I met up with uh, At the Finest Spirits in Munich I met up with You've me. been travelling a bit, haven't you? I have, Gordon and Where just, have you been? We want to we want to do a wee episode on travelling And mm -hmm. some of the And I, I caught up with some ambassadors there uh, Helsinki and Munich and Geneva. So Gosh, far, she's been all over the place. Few weeks and uh, just as again, MDLs in the industry or has travelled. Sometimes you do come into a, you get into a pickle. And I got into a pickle heading to Munich with the with the strike, the Lufthansa pilot strike. So if there's, there's a no pickle, flights. you'll find it. <laughs> no flights to Munich. Found myself in Dusseldorf uh, with no boarding cards. I finally got on the plane after much explanation. Last on, so the. Fair had been gone for about four four hours. You know, I'd missed most of the fair. Chatting to the chap beside me, saying, "How did I get to this fair in the centre of Munich?" As I was flying to Munich, and um, what's the quickest way? Would you say? And he said, um, "Yeah, I, I, me driving you." I said, I said, <laughs> nice. So I jumped in this chap's car, Alex, uh, his car, and he drove me all the way to the front door. Now, normally, kids, what we would say is don't get in a car with strangers. However, <laughs> that's right. But when whiskey's involved and the guy likes it, he, he likes it. So it was really nice of him. So we've sent him something nice. and uh, Very nice. That was really nice. And then that finest spirits at uh, Munich, I bumped into the local whiskey. And this is what, the, uh, what their chat is and what the story is of their lovely German single malt. And it's great to hear, you know, these wonderful distilleries, there's so many of them that we don't really know about, <laughs> opening up and doing their thing, and it's fantastic. So, yeah, really interested to hear. And I've just chanced upon, and I've been walking past a few stalls, I've chanced upon some German whiskey. So I've got to talk about that. Hey, sir, what's your name? My name is Nick, Nick Bindera, and I'm in charge of the experts business for the Slears Distillery. Schliers. Schliers. Yeah, some people say Schliers, some people say Schliers. 
names giver is the Lake Schlierzee. That's a beautiful lake south of Munich. That's where we're located. Uh, but uh, internationally, I prefer to say Schlierz because uh, for a lot of people, it's like a tongue breaker to and say Schlierz. Schlierz. <laughs> and and your, your assistant here, your name, sir, because you mentioned you've been to Glengoyne. Yeah, I've been to Glengoyne once, uh, I think it was 2013, and uh, it was very exciting. Oh, and uh, it's very similar to our distillery. We got a pretty wonderful yeah. nature around and uh, like yours uh, at home hey. oh, lovely well let's talk about Schlier's then let's what's what you what would you suggest we have to try the lovely German whiskey well of course the whole portfolio <laughs> but okay, it's got a long podcast we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of whiskeys to try so I think we just reduce it uh, but uh, maybe just to give you a you know, um, glass here sure but maybe uh, the best thing is we start off with what uh, we always call our DNA, which okay. is our Slios Classic, which is also the product that we started with uh, about 20 years ago. This is our classic single malt okay. whiskey. So just what, rewind it back 20 years ago. Give me the thoughts, the, 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 the reason for starting and how it all Oh, began. the reason for starting, yes, yes. Uh, actually, there uh, was, a, was just the idea of our founder. He went to Scotland on a studies trip. Uh, with his colleagues and they went to visit um, he actually worked at a brewery and uh, his family owned a distillery in Germany already that has been distilling fruit schnapps different liquors for over uh, 70 years and so he got the thought to uh, produce a German whiskey after he'd been visiting a couple of Scottish distilleries because he looked around he said hey look at the beautiful nature look at you know the way people you know uh, uh, are basically producing this uh, I bet with you well he was talking to his German friends I bet with you uh, I can produce a very uh, high quality German whiskey as well so it was kind of like a bet which they did uh, they bet over a case of beer <laughs> that he would do it and five years later he actually managed to uh, make the first distillation and wow. so we started off with uh, three casks back in 1999 and now Schlier's is the uh, number one selling German single malt whiskey brand. And where is it based? I know it's like Schlierze, but where's, where are you based? Yeah, it's Schlierze, it's south of Munich, just 45 minutes uh, drive, like right in the mountains. Um, so basically we source everything just from the region, from Bavaria. I mean, Bavaria, Bavaria is known for its beers. Yes. Um, and so all the good barley, all the good water, which the beer industry basically uses, um, that's also the base to our uh, whiskey. Oh, that's lovely. We'll start pouring. And when we're pouring, um, we've got the good base, but what's the production methods? How many stills? What's the... DNA of your process? Well, we're basically doing a, uh, we're doing it similar like the Scottish whiskey industry. So we're doing a double distillation process. Uh, we have two pot stills, one spirit still. Um, and that's basically how everything gets produced. Yes. What we're doing a bit different is uh, we don't use ex bourbon casks, but for our whiskey, um, they go straight into white, new white American oak casks. Um, and maturation yeah. is yeah, which you can kind of like yeah, taste that yeah. spicy. so as you have some spiciness you get the tannins from the wood uh, but our classic is up to six years old and that's, that's basically that's our 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 DNA yes, as we like I to say I understand that entirely yeah really lovely yeah it's very smooth as well 
And six then, years old, you would never, you would never think that for six years. That's yeah. so smooth. Well, we take great care, you know, in all the steps before uh, we put the, um, the the whiskey into the cask. And I think there's a lot of uh, steps where you can fine tune it. So after six years, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it has reached, you know, like really nice maturation already. So we don't need 12 years, 15 years, 18 years, you know, for it to be uh, fully ripened. And how um, how's it been received in Germany? So it's number one brand now in Germany? Yeah, it's the number one selling uh, German single malt whiskey wow. brand. Uh, we basically started off very small with three casts and when we started everybody thought we were crazy because at the time there basically wasn't any German whiskey. Right, yeah. so, so we're kind of like the pioneers that started with it. Uh, but German whiskey has gotten more and more popular here. And uh, if I look internationally, uh, basically the, the whole movement of the new world of whiskey yes. or whiskey producers. Do you know, you know offhand how many German distilleries doing single malt there are? Uh, well, funnily, there's over 300 so-called registered whiskey distilleries. So you oh. have almost twice as or, or twice as many as in Scotland. Yes. Uh, but 99% of them, their main business is to produce uh, schnapps or like some herbal liquors, and they just do a little bit of whiskey here and there on the side, a few casks. But um, it's been growing steadily during the last years. So nowadays you have about, I would say, like 10, 20 distilleries that have really focused on producing just um, whiskey, exclusive, you know, exclusively yes. uh, single malt whiskeys. And so that has helped, um, but it's still just a fraction. So we produce about 7 million liters of uh, whiskey per year. And I think in Scotland it's like 500 or 600 liters of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, whiskey. So, it's not, so I see the color getting darker down here as we go your yeah. other range. So our uh, oldest expression right now is a 12-year-old. Maybe that's interesting for you to try just to see how it uh, This develops. is tough work for Whiskey Unscripted. This is really on the front line podcast reporting, but I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Wonderful. you can see that. So, so basically what we're doing is we're using ex-Slears casks. So for 12 years, we don't want to put them uh, in, 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 you know, in, in brand new Ocas oh, because yeah. it would like over mature. So we use an ex Lear's cast, but it's interesting just to see how it develops, you know, over time. So it's still been so, the uh, pure, pure, you know, that's still uh, exactly. just like empty, brought back, just just yeah. the oak. You don't have any influence from another wood or whatever. Uh, but basically, it's the, the 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 same whiskey, just ripened a bit longer. It's it's getting more elegant. It it's is. getting a lot smoother. It's a, it's a lot more you know like mouth watering. Uh, yeah, you know, lovely. absolutely beautiful. So um, that's our twelve year old. And maybe something else just to show you the variety. We're also big with uh, different cask finishes. I mean, we have several different uh, sherry casks here. We have Amontillado, PX Oloroso. We have a rum cask. We have a pork cask. Masala, Madeira, Sautern, yeah. so, so, so really, uh, you know, quite uh, playful with these different cask finishes. Uh, but maybe something for you to try if you're more on the cherry right, side. If that's this one or that one? Was I put this? Uh, just, it, it doesn't matter. Just okay. use either. This is our uh, newly launched Amontillado cask finish. So it's been sitting in a uh, white oak cask for two years. And after that, it spent four years uh, in a uh, sherry cask. So it's a bit stronger on the sherry side and for people that, you know, yeah, kind of like the, the, the sherry bombs, you know, that's kind of like, uh, that's the variety to uh, and that's a beautiful color as well. 
Yes, all natural. Mm -hmm. All of our whiskeys, it's all natural, all natural color. Coloring. Of course, that's really important for us. Uh, this one has 46% of alcohol. Um, it's just really nice and easy drinking. Um, well, yeah. I have to say that's a beautiful whiskey as well. Well, thank Even you the very first much. One. Yeah, absolutely lovely. And I see people queuing up here to get a taste of Schlier's. So sure. I don't want to keep you. Hello there. There's, there's whiskey to be drunk here. Yes. <laughs> I like it. But listen, Nick, thank you so much yeah. for opening a little, little lid on the world of um, Schlier's and German whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank many, you for many, Mar many Mar congratulations on it and good luck in the future. Thank you. See thank you, Tom. You. Thank you. See you around. Uh, see you also. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, ah, visit us at the distillery. We would love to come. Uh, can you all come, if members of the public? Is it open? Yes, we also have a visitor center. We right. have 50,000 visitors per year that come to visit oh, us. So wonderful. Right. Uh, you can spend a very nice day there. I'll be 50,000 in one. Because <laughs> <laughs> this okay. weather is wonderful. I'm not, I don't want to go back to Scotland. It's raining back there. <laughs> I'm staying here. Guys, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so awesome. much. So that, you know, great. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't know too much about them, I have to say. No. And the no. range was, you know, quite, Surprising how many and different mm. types of whiskey they're mm -hmm. doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, very interesting, very interesting, and just great to see. Uh, great to see these whiskeys being, um, being, uh, you know, made in these countries. Fabulous, really, really, really nice, really nice. Now, uh, Gordon, we're in the middle of a theme. You're drinking the Tamdu Cigar Mall. I'm having a small dram of Lindor's uh, Bourbon Cask as well. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought, how would you like to take on the Whiskey Newbies Innovation Challenge. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'm going to take a minute on the clock. Uh, I don't have a sound effect, but just have to pretend there's a minute uh, ticking in the clock. Okay. Yeah. All I need you to do, Gordon, is work out what I'm talking about, uh, what the innovation is in the world of whiskey. So here we go. Who am I? The clock has started. I was an innovation first patented by Celia Blumenthal in 1813. And later by a former senior excise official in Ireland in 1830. You'll find me in America and Japan and in North British, Girvan, Invergordon, Strathclyde and Starlaw. Who am I? I'm in America and Japan. Column still? Yes! That's the one. That's the one. Okay, here we go. Moving on. Coffee still. Coffee still. I was patented in 1913 by William Bergius, grandson of William Teacher. And I was first commercially seen around 1924 on a Stuart's Highland Cream of the Barley bottle with the tagline, Biddy the Corkscrew. Um, was it a closure? Yes, it's a... Cork closure. Oh, corkscrew closure, brand new, Gordon, around about 1924. What is it? Here I am, at the minute. We've still got less than a minute. Here we go. I first made my appearance at Whiskey Live London in 2001. I have the Davison family to thank for bringing... Glen Cairn, Glen Yes, Glen Cairn Glass. I'm trying to make it exciting with only a minute to go. I'm a type of malting. I'm a type of malting created by a French engineer in the late 1800s. The first US brewery to use me was John A. Huck in Chicago. And I enjoyed my time at Tamdu. What style of malting am I? It's what I'm going to have for lunch, Saladin. <laughs> the Saladin maltings. We'll come back and talk about that, Gordon. Number six, I was unknown in the UK whiskey industry before World War II. Then demand for me rocketed in the 1950s as I was in plentiful supply due to a legal battle won by some union friends of mine. Ah, bourbon, bourbon barrel. Bourbon barrels. Yeah. Uh, bourbon barrels. Number seven, I was first seen 
probably at Port Ellen as a result of the Excise Act of 1823. I've just arrived at Rosebank, and though everyone thinks the stills are the stars of the show, I disagree. Who am I? Worm tubs. Nope. Oh. Oh, I've just arrived at Rosebank. Yes. Oh, or just, uh, uh, Sorry, uh, worm tubs are way older than that. Um, uh, quite near the stills, because they, they think the stills are the stars of the show. I disagree. Uh, and it's just arrived at Rosebank. It's a spirit safe. Oh, hit the bar. Ah, okay. Number eight. Um, here's Gordon. It's uh, a long minute. That's, that's the game. That's the game. It's less than a minute. I started appearing. This will this will sink your spirits. I started appearing during the 16th century. Innovations came in the late 17th and early 18th centuries when silversmiths began to embellish me with silver mounts, as well as being made from silver. I was also engraved with lines to give the impressions of staves and so replicate the appearance of my wooden predecessors. If you've got me. I am a keeper. Oh, who am I? You're one. It's a quake. Yes, it's a quake. Uh, number, we'll come back and talk about that. Uh, number nine, uh, the minute's almost running out, 10 seconds. Although some of my parts are older than human civilization, I am becoming very popular in distilleries at the moment where I am arranged outdoors in cells. I am a wonder of nature, if I don't mind saying so myself. Arranged in cells. Wetlands? Yes, it's the wetlands! I did say that. <laughs> well done. And finally, number 10, I am a product of nuclear bombs. And although safe in tiny amounts, I am everywhere and have proved very useful in dating old or supposedly old expensive whiskies. Carbon dating. Yes, well done, Gordon. Mm. Um, Quakes, you're you, there's little drinking cups. You're a keeper of the quake, and we've just yeah. had one recently. I was at the keepers of the quake, uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah, which is an amazing experience. It's the first time I've been back actually since I was made a keeper back in 2013. So, yeah, we were we had uh, some guests that we were inducting, I think the phrase is, into the uh, to be a keeper yep. of the quake, and that was our uh. Our partners over from Demonic in Holland, we had uh, Luke and Hans, uh, older Demonikov. Uh, oh, yes. uh, they were both getting uh, inducted into uh, the um, the Keepers of the Quake, which Is we were very Blair, happy to do. So Blair, I was there with Stuart Blair Thompson. Blair it's at Blair Castle. Yeah. Blair Castle. You had Stuart Thompson there. Unbelievable, unbelievable evening. Yeah. Um, you know, great to see so many industry folk there. Monday night so it's uh you know it's it's it was really really good fun and just I mean something to behold and we had an amazing evening yeah really really enjoyable who and else was getting inducted was it um oh there's a whole load of people getting inducted which were great to see fellow ambassadors um uh other people that you know from the industry probably about 40 or 50 people are inducted oh, okay. twice a year a real honor a real honor to become a keeper of the quake so Absolutely. it was a really 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 good evening and I didn't know them Fred from the Douglas Lang. Douglas Lang, Fred, yes. He became a master of the quake. A master of the quake, he became, right? Yeah. So Fred became a master of the quake, as his brother did, Stuart. So we've got Douglas Lang and Hunter Lang there. So that's two brothers were both made their masters. That's a slightly more exclusive. Um, that's what, you know. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. The, I can't remember the. Uh, 
criteria to be a master. I think it's if you've been working in whiskey for a certain okay. amount of time promoting it. So, um, but yeah, uh, he was made a master and uh, as were a few others. Um, but just great to see. I mean, I saw the Gordon McPhail guys. I saw quite a lot of people from um, Old Pulteney and, and um, Bal Blair, et cetera, were there. There was a lot of Diageo people there. I was sitting next to guys from Glenmorangie. So, no, it was really good. Really, oh. really lovely evening. Well, so. that's not, I'm sure you had a, a drama too. And we've talked a little bit about distilleries. Just to put a you know, tin cap in the distilleries, Gordon, just some of the ones that uh, are opening in Scotland. Oh. Eight Doors. I didn't really... This past me. This is in John O'Groats. And their name's inspired by the man, Jan de Groot, who John O'Groats is, is named after. Well, they, I mean, I, I, there I, you I, go. You must have... That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, even actually, funnily enough, there are so many, but even something that Glenmorangie is doing with its experimentation distillery and things like that, there's so much going on. You know, the whiskey industry is in a, in a, in a good place, but we, you know, the, the, the headwinds are strong, you know, and... Uh, Let's just hope that everybody can get through the, from all aspects, get through what's going on at the moment. So. The, 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 the question, and as, a, as we move on to maybe some of the new releases, mm -hmm. if you've got some that you've cast your eye over, uh, the question would be, um, in this theme of newness, is new good? Was whiskey better in the old days? Or was the industry better in the old days? Discuss. Is new always better? Well... That's a good question. I think there's no... Was these bourbon barrels were not known yeah. pre-World War II. Well, I mean, so that I, style I, of maturation, you can say, has really improved. No, totally, totally. I think if you look at... I think one of the best indicators of how whiskey was back then is if you look at blends, because that's what, that's what most whiskey was made. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a fair appreciation that blends of the 60s, 70s and 80s were were fabulous. I mean, you know, some I've drunk some amazing blends from back then because they were using exceptional single malts because single malt wasn't a thing. Um, and I think you now see a little bit more of the, of blends made for certain channels, price sectors, whatever. So of course, you know, that it's not full of, you know, particularly old single malt because it's been used for single malt or yes, it's been yes, used for older blends or it's been used for, a, you know. So I think standard blends back from the 60s and 70s, I know somebody like, you know, you know, a lot of people would say some of those blends were absolutely amazing. I remember drinking a bottle of White Horse from the 60s. Oh, just sensational. Wow. I mean, probably had a high malt content. Yes. Really, really, really lovely. So I think, I think, you know, Blends were good, and you had the occasional, you saw single malts that came out, but I mean, very few, there weren't many around that were really exceptional. Then I think you went into the 80s and the 90s, and you look back at them now, and I think single malt was burgeoning, it was becoming more popular, and you got some that were fantastic, and you got others that weren't quite so fantastic. I think generally the consistency of whiskey now is pretty good. Uh, it's not, it's not, you know, in single malt blends are different and, and, um, but you have blended malts now as well, which are really interesting. Why would you not, we've spoken about this before. Why would you not combine, yes. you know, um, single malts from six different islands like we do in six hours? What a fabulous, what are my favorite? So, so I, I mean, I think single malt is, is more consistent and at a higher level than it's ever been. 
but there are still those exceptional whiskies from a long time ago that really broke through and were like amazing. So, yeah. Well, that's a good stopping off point to talk about the any new releases that have caught your eye that um, in this well, new theme. And it doesn't need to be from new distilleries. It's just anything that's caught your eye that um, we have released and closer to home, Gordon. Uh, when I was on, he says dropping the Geneva, you know, bomb. Mm. The Glengoyne batch nine, the the new cast strength uh, was going down really, really well. That's absolutely phenomenal stuff. I think if we look at new releases, let's not forget Rosebank thirty one, yep. which we've brought out. We're going to start in the lowlands. Let's start in the lowlands. Rosebank thirty one release two. Quick update: the distillery. We're probably looking at. Um, uh, you know, probably middle of next year, which is exciting. Um, the other one that caught my mind, and the only reason I'm sort of mentioning it is, well, it's a great whiskey, is, is Little Mill, which is another iconic lowland whiskey. It was released in late August. And certainly, um, you know, if you, if you thought of two lowland whiskies that really stand out, you know, Rosebank is one for a lot of people in terms of obviously closed distillery, so the opposite of new. Although Rosebank is going to be new again, yes. Little Mill is definitely not going to be new. It is closed and closed forever. Um, I'm actually doing a tasting in Holland on Monday with Little Mill, with Ooh. the guys from Loch Lomond, and I will be there talking about Rosebank, two of the most iconic lowlands ever. So there's a there's a couple of, well, a new release from our perspective. Um, the other one that I was caught my eye, and I know it caught your eye as well, was the Bond series from McAllen. Oh, Yes. Yes. The decades of Bond, and, and oh. it looks all very beautiful and great. And the one thing I've struggled to find out about is really what the whiskey is. But, you know, apart from that, you know, McAllen doing their thing, fabulous. But, uh, yeah, I've struggled to find a bit more. The, his, the whiskey details a little bit light if, 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 from what, yes. what the actual whiskey is. But celebrating James Bond's six decades i think um they've brought out six bottles of whiskey which obviously you need to go into a ballot and you know obviously it's mccallan it's wow. it is what it is but uh, well as a bourbon lover there was another one that has uh, that has caught my imagination um i love bourbon i worked for yes. jim beam and they've just brought out an 18 year old knob creek which is a small batch bourbon uh, they've done Rise and other stuff, but it's their small, they have a, so Jim Beam is Jim Beam White and Jim Beam Black and, and uh, you know, but it also, they, they have these four smaller ranges, which is Basil Hayden's, Baker's, Booker's and Knob Creek, which all have their slightly different styles. Knob Creek 18 is really pushing on in age for bourbon. And, you know, I'm wondering, firstly, and I don't know enough about it. I have a friend of mine who's involved with the bourbon side of, of Beam Suntory. That's quite old for a bourbon, and it's very easy for bourbons of that age to just be woody and spicy. And but clearly, it isn't. That there's no way they would release something like that. I think it's gone like hotcakes. I think it's a pretty high-priced bourbon. Um, uh, but I'd love to taste it because I love Knob Creek. I think it's a very, very good bourbon. Another and of course, the special great. releases from Diageo was the only thing I was going to say, oh, yes. which come out this time every year. Ah, right. Anything got your eye? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, they're very colourful and there's there's quite a lot of different whiskies that you don't really see, maybe from, uh, uh, you know, sort of cast strength. There's a there's a cast strength Talisker in there. Well, they're all cast strength, a Lagavulin. There's ones that will be more interesting to people than others, I think, would be fair. There's a there's a, a single grain from Cameron Bridge as well and a I mean, but you can know the ones that people will be interested in, which is a sort of Klein Leash or the 
the Oban uh, or yeah. the Lagavulin or the Talisker, I think, would be the four that most people would be would 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 be interested in. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, they bring them out every every sort of um, year at this sort of time and celebrating their their wonderful portfolio of whiskies. Oh, lovely! And another one that uh, caught my eye when I was uh, across in Geneva, and I see as of October the fourteenth, twenty twenty-two, uh, lag have their inaugural release batch one. Oh, so that's and I the like. newest one in Arran. And we did speak to the distiller or the manager a few series ago, did we not, Gordon? A long time ago, yeah. We spoke with uh, Ewan Mitchell, who's the managing director. And uh, that might have even been series one, if not two. But uh, lag at that point was, I mean, that was two years ago. So lag was probably... Still just. being built, or maybe no, it must have been producing. Sorry, must have been producing. So it was built, I think, just before COVID, and uh, they've released their first uh, release. That's right. Three um, and the releases from Lag, a heavily peated single malt matured in ex bourbon casks. And the interesting thing about Lag is that um, it's on the southern part of the island, so it's a heavily peated uh, lowland whiskey. Yes, there you are. The, I, I was just discussing that with them, um, you know, doing a wee bit of training, some of the staff yesterday, and just saying uh, the styles now, maybe in the old days, you could have maybe said Gordon Lowland would be light, floral, grassy. Yeah, look, like, I mean, You know, spicy, never smoky, etc. But you can't really go by well, geography now, can't you? I mean, I, the regions were all about a style for blending. That's what they were about. So if you were, you know, if you were a blender and you were, oh, I need to get some... Of this style you phoned up the distilleries from that style and went can i have some of that please for my blend mm. so that's really where regionality right. came from it's less relevant now you know you should have any style of whiskey anywhere you want really well that's a, a very good uh stopping off point talked a little bit about distilleries new ones mm. a little bit about the new kind of whiskies out there at the moment and i think it might be quite nice uh to talk about if you are new to the world of whiskey, you never know, Gordon. Mm, uh, you might be listening to this show and you don't know too much about whiskey. Uh, it'd be quite nice. And we've got a person who was new to whiskey. Ah, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Let's oh. go back a couple of months. Um, yes. Just could you explain the whole? Because it came via. Well, I mean, you know about it. You, 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 you give a bit of background. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a little bit of background because he actually does explain exactly what happens in this interview. He's called Dave Cummings and he was on the show a few series ago. Uh, and the Whiskey Tribe of the United States of America uh, got wind that this chap had never tasted whiskey in his life. And from this very first taste of the Glengoyne 21, his life has, maybe say, has changed for the better. And he found himself at Glengoyne. And this is exactly what happened when me and yourself, Gordon, caught up with Dave Cummings at Glengoyne. And his wife. Of, uh, his lovely wife. Here we go. A new whiskey drinker. We're in the beautiful Glengoyne distillery. And we um, had a great day today, Gordon. It's been, well, I mean, it's been a tough Friday. Yeah. Did you notice how for lunch I lost my wallet? You did lunch, yes. Yeah, it's very nice. So thanks for lunch. No problem at all. (laughs) Why were we out for lunch? Well, we have some very special guests. We have some special guests, and it's not often we have something popping up for the second appearance on the podcast. No, second appearance. Well, it's a very special guest, very important for uh, for Glengoyne. It holds a big part of, of your life, I think, so... 
we have got Dave Cummings and Joe Lynn as well uh, sitting here in the manager's house. And can I just ask, before uh, we talk about your day, um, just explain about your first drink of whiskey for those that never heard you the first time round. Yes, well, it's glad to be here. Thank you for everything. Though when I hit 50, I decided I wanted to have a, my first drink of alcohol. And if you want to know why I decided to wait 50 years like a foolish individual, you can go back and watch the other videos and the other podcasts. I don't for the life of me understand now because I've had such a great time. But when I decided to have the first drink, I wanted to make it special. So um, Roy from Aquavite and I got together and we had a plan working with Gordon to come to Glen Goyne and have a big dog and pony show and have my first drink here at the lovely Glen Goyne Distillery. Then COVID hit. And as we all know, that kind of put, put a stop to everything. Mm -hmm. So there I sat and waited for COVID to go away because surely it would only be a few months, <laughs> right? It's only going to be a couple months. And we sat and we sat. And meanwhile, I'm buying whiskey and I'm smelling it and handing it to my wife to drink. And she's getting tired of that. And I'm really wanting to have a drink. So uh, <laughs> finally, we got with the Whiskey Tribe through Roy and we went down and had a wonderful experience there. And uh, just epic time having my first drink of alcohol. And you can go on YouTube and find that video uh, with the Whiskey Tribe. Um, and now, finally, COVID went away. And... I wanted to still come back to Glen Goyne to have a experience here. And so here we are. We've come and we've had a wonderful day. And I had my first drink of anything here in Scotland. We waited until we got to Glen Goyne to have this experience here. And it's everything that uh, I thought it would be. Wow. So. And Jolyn, is that true? He actually waited. Because you arrived in Glasgow That's, yesterday. We arrived yesterday. And you decided, is that no alcohol until Glen Goyne? Yep. We had no drinks at all until, until Glen Goyne today. Oh my so God, Glasgow as, as well. Our, and it's our first distillery tour ever as well. Wow. Right. Well, so, what have you made of it? Drink. Because, you know, maybe... Were you conversant with whiskey before? Um, Dave? No. No, 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 I wasn't. Okay. So I started learning about whiskey at the same time that David did. And has today lived and up to expectations? What did you think it would be like? And what has it been like? I didn't really have any expectations, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I have to say that this might be one of the best days of our lives. Ever. This Ever. Is great. This is an amazing experience. Glen Goyne is such a... It's such a family feel here. Like, it feels like home. I think David yep. said it about three times now. This feels like home. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's beautiful. And you guys, our experience today has been amazing. No, it's wonderful. You got to see the the distillery today, Dave. What did you? You know, you you like the liquid, but did the process and the maturation did it live up to what you have sampled? Yes, and and it's uh, you know I'm kind of a country kind of hick kind of guy I'm, I'm all into machinery and and all that stuff and when you think of the bigger distilleries nothing against them but they're all high tech and slick and stuff glen Goyne seems old school right it's uh it's like people who enjoy driving an old chevy pickup truck right i i worked the carburetor myself you know and I like and, and, but the the product is fantastic and it's done manually old old way taking your time and and making a good one of the best whiskies in the world but uh, doing it manually and know? i think you had one of the best experiences in the world because you did make whiskey we did now for those that have never been to glen going you did the malt master tour mm -hmm. so just explain 
you know, that was something that doesn't know whiskey. You were actually making yeah, a so, single malt. So we got to take, um, my understanding is uh, cask strength, right yeah. from the cask, multiple different uh, versions yeah. and get to blend our own whiskey. All from single so, malt whiskey. Yeah. So much, so much fun. So, and, and what I loved about it is you distinctively both came up with two different whiskeys, and that's what it's all about. There's no right or wrong answer; it's what you want. So, and God, imagine to put people in the shoes of a master blender, where you're absolutely. given single casks and you marry them together to create a, a core range whiskey. Oh, totally! And you can't you can't really do that at many distilleries. And uh, I think to come and do that here is a, a great opportunity because, as we've seen today, and you guys have seen, the diversity between one end of the spectrum of Glengoyne and the other is huge, and bringing them together really shows you how we make our whiskies. And my other question is, how on earth have you managed to come in sunshine? Well, every- it's horizontal <laughs> rain about three days ago. <laughs> Anytime we come to the UK or travel anywhere, we seem to bring good weather with us. So yeah. if we want to start up some kind of group where everybody funds to bring us to <laughs> yes. the UK, we'd be happy to bring the good Gordon, you should do a song about that. Some of it, everywhere you go, always bring the weather with yeah, you. Yeah. Somebody yeah. should just write a song. Yeah, they definitely should do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're here in Scotland to, for a... For a not for, just Glengoyne, for a, yeah, a whiskey tour. So the Whiskey Tribe has had a tour of a bunch of magnificent bastards that we're all meeting on Sunday. And we're going to go around and have shenanigans and a good time all around whiskey. and Heading to the lovely island of Ireland. Oh, all over the place. Okay. Who, yeah. who knows? I'm just along for the ride to sip some whiskey and have a good time. That sounds absolutely charms. Absolutely wonderful. How could it go back? How could it go back? I know you've started with the, um, the <laughs> fine and rare collection at Glengoyne, so you're... Onwards and upwards. Well, I don't know about upwards. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I think we've peaked. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know might, how on yeah, onwards and downwards. Yeah, this this day couldn't be topped. I don't know. How, it's not possible. So yeah. it's gonna we're go down a little bit, but it's still gonna be a it's fun. Be, time. You will have a ball. It yeah. will be amazing. Yeah. Isla's incredible. You'll love it. And I know you're touring around. You'll you'll have a great time, and you'll hear great stories. But we are very 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 happy that you made it here. We're very glad we could show you some of our drams and uh, we, we, we really count you as a, as a Glengoyne part of the family. So, so thankful. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, team Glengoyne forever. I mean, you, something special about this place. Truly is. As soon as we arrived, we're like, well, Jolene said that. I was like, man, this feels like home. I mean, truly. Mm. And you don't see that very often. Uh, places have energies and feelings and you go there and you're like, eh, this place is bad or, ooh, I'm leaving. But this place makes you want to grab a dram and sit down and and just oh, relax. Fantastic. And just a quick word, Jolene, about Kathy. She took us round today. Kathy. <laughs> well, building on the home thing, the first when she started talking, she reminds me of my family, mm. of my grandmother, of my great grandmother. I just. Kathy, yeah, wonderful. she's amazing. As is she, all the staff here. Yeah. They, they love the place. Yep, yep. Wonderful part of the best day ever. Oh, that's wonderful. Listen, <laughs> we'll let you enjoy the rest of those lovely drums. And hopefully the last time we'll see you here at Glengoyne. Oh, no, I will we'll be definitely returning. not be the last day, last yeah. time. <laughs> Thank okay. you so much for your hospitality. Truly, one of the best days ever. Thank That's you. fantastic. And this might be truly one of the best podcasts ever. So let's uh, <laughs> let's finish it there before Embassy says anything <laughs> other. Uh, that has been Gordon Dundas and Gordon Dallas reporting from Whiskey Unscripted from Glengoyne. Over now. Oh, that was a good day, Gordon. That was, that a, was day. a great day. And that was like <laughs> someone's discovery, that story. We touched on it in a previous episode and he, what a wonderful guy and just really, really happy to finally make it to Glengoyne. Um, I want to thank, obviously, I know he's 
heavily involved with the Whiskey Tribe, Roya Aquavite as well, who, um, you know, I know was involved in this as well. Um, in, but I mean, you know, he, to have Glengoyne 21 as your first drink, fabulous. Uh, and uh, hopefully a, a Glengoyne fan for a long time. And so great to have him over. Really lovely to meet him finally and sort of close the loop on that story. Um, fabulous, fabulous. And of course, Just what, what this industry is all about. That's exactly it. And what didn't make the cut was when we bumped into Robbie Hughes, who suggested what, what you can do for your 60th then your 70th, uh, yeah. which what a colourful suggestion if the 50th was drinking whiskey. So mm. um, very amusing. Uh, but that is a great way, Gordon, if you are new to the world of whiskey, mm. uh, is there any do's and don'ts um, when you approach sort of the various whiskies? Would you start? Yeah. Just get involved. Just get involved. You know, I mean, people say there's this as a starter whiskey or there's this as a, you know, I don't, I, I'm getting less aligned to that. I mean, there's, of course, the lighter styles that you might want to, but I mean, you know, if you want to start with the Laphroaig, start with the Laphroaig. If you want to, you know, just just yeah. drink it. It's the finest product known to known to women and mankind. So just enjoy it and water. Don't get hung up by mixing, just mixing or water. Ah, just drink scared. it. Right. Just just you know, just don't just treat it like something to be enjoyed. If you want to, you know, we look. We've put a single malt from Isla in a can. You know with Coke or with ginger ale we, we, and lime. We're the first company ever to have done that. Yeah. So we come very much from the ethos of just drink it and enjoy it. Now, you know, I'm not going to put a Tamdu 18 and put some Coke in it. You know, I want to taste the whiskey. There's an element of sensibleness about it. But listen to people, enjoy it. Go to whiskey shows. That was about to see. You if could meet uh, someone like Gordon Dallas who could tell you everything about whiskey. <laughs> if you are approaching Scotland's uh, and you want to do whiskey and get involved in it I was just about to say what would be the advice find out where our whiskey show is and go and chat to the go to a local whiskey distillery. show how would you find a nice bar are whiskey mm -hmm. bars intimidating yep. would you, what, would you, would no you, yeah. whiskey bars are not intimidating don't be intimidated because the, the people behind the bar are fantastic if you go to great whiskey bars around the world and I've been to a lot the people are well trained they understand what whiskey is and how to match maybe what you're looking for. The pot still, the Bon Accord in, in Glasgow, the Bow Bar in Edinburgh, um, Elysian in Melbourne, you know, Whiskey and Ailment in Melbourne, the Baxter in, in Sydney. They're all over the place, bars like this. The internet is fabulous as well. So go to bars and seek out a whiskey show. Go along, maybe with someone else, and just say... Just listen to what they've got to say. Try a little bit. Move on. Go for it. And I would say, God, just to, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, virtually everyone in the industry that I know is really keen and delighted to speak to a, a newbie someday. Of course. It's, maybe in other industries, if you're you're, you're embarrassed about being new and, and, and sort of unknowledgeable, but I, I can guarantee in this industry, we love speaking to people that want to, to totally. take a first step. Absolutely right. And there is absolutely no, you know, don't ever make the excuse that, oh, I don't know enough, so I'm not going to go. That is not an excuse. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like it, but I'm interested. Go along then. You know, you're only going to know if you try four or five different whiskeys and and try it and enjoy it. Or, or maybe, you, maybe, maybe you decide it's not for you and you... 
whatever, just go and try it because it is a fabulous, diverse drink. But most people's issue with whiskey is the strength. Yeah. It's not the taste of whiskey. It's the strength because they don't, not many people drink spirits at 40% alcohol. Most people mix vodka with Coke, gin with tonic, rum with Coke or something. So that's generally the, the, the problem people have. And they got a little bit hung up on the fact that well, I'm not meant to put anything in it. And that's not strictly true, you know, um, at all. The Japanese, many people in Japan drink whiskey mixed with soda called a highball. Fantastic drink. So that's just not right. Just get out there and enjoy it. And can I just say, as part of the, the whiskey news, I suppose I can just, exactly what you've said there, uh, congratulations to Glenn Livett. I was at the Edinburgh Cocktail Week. Mm. You sent me on a very, you know, top secret mission to um and <laughs> to, to learn all about Cocktail Week. And Glenlivet had a little extension to the marquee that's just outside the Sheridan Grands in Lothian Road in Edinburgh. And you went inside to a darkened room with some disco lights and Glenlivet tasting. And it was mm -hmm. all about mixing the Glenlivet 12-year-olds, then the Founders Reserve, into cocktails. You had a drink of the whiskey first, put it into a cocktail, the right. lights went off, we're in the darkness, dramming in the dark, it was called, and then you had a, a drink of it, and then the lights went back on, you could describe what you're tasting. And finally, Gordon, they had the capsules. Yes. The very famous Glen the famous capsules. Pictures. It's like, um, if you've ever done washing, like a liquid tab, you put in a, a washing machine. So it's a... Don't, don't, don't drink them. Don't drink them. It's made of seaweed. So I was going to, I don't want to say plastic because you eat them and then you pop it in your mouth. It's a cocktail and a little okay. capsule. And it explodes in your mouth when you chew it. And again, the lights are out. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot of people who are so-called purists or connoisseurs will look on that and go, oh, I have, I think that's brilliant. Just, just get fun. involved and drink it and enjoy it. And anything that's people drinking whiskey, bang. Lovely, well very done. Good fun. And I was with Edinburgh Gins, Philip Kingscourt. And I did say to Philip, I said, um, I'm the oldest one here. Look, there's lots of uh, women here, young people. Uh, great fun. And there's yeah, music going at the same time. It was just it, it, right on the pulse. Full marks to Glenn Fiddick. Uh, Glenn Livett, sorry. Yeah. Glenn Livett, Glenn Livett. Full marks then. Uh, Gordon, before we head off, um, mm -hmm. how would you like to finish your challenge of the day with you have reached your whiskey destination? Yay, I love this game. <laughs> this is, I mean, we literally have had, I mean, one email about this. I mean, <laughs> that people love this game. Oh, uh, Gordon, it's a, a, a new distillery because it's in keeping... With the theme of today's show, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. and Where are we going to end up today? Where are we going to end up? This is uh, the culmination of today's show. So, Gordon, you're going to leave Glasgow. You're going to go on the M8. You're going to take the left lane to the M80. You're going to head up to the past Stirling Castle, uh, through the roundabout at Dunblane, heading up the A9. Oh, look, you've passed Tilly Bardine Distillery. You can take the first exit at the Broxton Roundabout, heading for Inverness A9. Then at Perth, the second exit, heading up A9 North. Uh, you're going to cross the Keswick Bridge at Inverness. You're keeping on the A9. Oh, you're crossing the Cromarty Bridge now and the Moray Firth. You've just passed Tain. Continue onwards for four or five miles. You're going to take the right hand turning on the A949. Carry on until you reach Castle Street, and then you will have reached your whiskey destination.
<laughs> Silence. Uh, I, I'm just trying to work out where we are. Did you? Yeah. Can you just do the bit from Tane? You Sorry, have just I'm, passed I'm heading Tain. north, right? You have you're across the bridge beyond yes. Tane on the Moray Firth, four uh-huh. miles north on the A9. You take the right hand turn on the A929, A949. That's um, a right hand turn. Carry on that A949 until you reach Castle Street. You're not a, you're not at Brora by that point. That's no. Nope. That's why I only put four miles beyond Tain. Uh, Castle. Where's Dalmore? Where's Dalmore? Beyond before Tain. Okay. Uh, uh, my clue would be I might um, meet a couple of brothers. Oh, uh, Dornick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very good. The Thompson yes, brothers. The Thompson brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is very Dornick good. Distillery. Uh, a new one. I think just three years now. Four years. Just nice. getting to release their malt whiskey. And when I was researching this game, when you go to the website and it's contact us, that gives you descriptions how to get there. Um, plans for another distillery in Dornach. They're expanding. Ah, yes. They're building a much bigger one, I hear. Yes. Oh, so yeah. I think they had direct fired stills and they, they started off doing that, but I think they're going to change and make a much bigger one. So that's great. Good and for them. Is- Really good. I like what they're doing. They're doing some really nice stuff. They're, they're, they were always the epicenter of the Highland Whiskey Festival, trying to get that Dornach as the sort of uh-huh. main centre of the Highland Whiskey Festival. So we do one in Speyside, we do one in Isle and Campbelltown, and I know they do one of a, of a slightly smaller nature in the in the Highlands, usually centred around Dornach. Um, but that'd be nice to get them on the show one day. When I was in Dornach last year, just turned the corner at the Dornach Castle uh, Hotel, and there's a distillery and a yeah, small yeah. garage. So very no, good. I'm, I must go up, must get up that part of the world. Wonderful whiskey bar. Fabulous. Wonderful. You talk about Brilliant. Bars. It's wonderful. Hey, Gordon, we've come to the end of our newbies show. Yay! What so a great many. episode. We Fantastic. Got, I know we never touched the surface, Alice. So many new ones out there, but we'll, we'll revisit that again. Fabulous. Gordon. I'm going to raise a glass of my Lindors and my cigar. Staying ahead on the whiskey trail. Oh, staying ahead on the whiskey trail.